Welcome to The Fine Line. I'm Liz Willette Daniels. And I'm Emily Gold. As longtime veterans of the restaurant business as well as wine importing and distribution, we wanted to start a podcast to learn how the people we admire balance hedonism and health. We wanted to explore people's individual journeys to pursue their love of eating and drinking as well as health and wellness, and we ask how they learn and grow in this process. If you are liking this podcast, please do rate and review. Enjoy the show. Good morning. We are so excited for this co-podcast with the Black Wine Guy Experience, MJ. Um, We've been following your podcast and just loving it, and uh, we thought there was a lot of... um, fun things that we could all talk about together. So we're super excited to do this with you. It seems like we're excited to be here. We're so excited to have you here. And, you know, I think part of this podcast experience has been realizing how many more people we'd like to be friends with and then making that happen. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. I I love that. That's why I'm like, okay, now I have a new friend. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's just so nice to talk, you know, have access, an excuse to talk to some people Mm -hmm. that you maybe wouldn't otherwise. So yeah, it's yeah. a little different yeah. than just calling someone and being like, "Hello." <laughs> you don't know me. Want to talk on the phone? No, I know it's it's an easy way. It's an easier way to get to know people, right? Like, you, like it's not like a cold call. Like you can send yeah. someone an email or a direct message on social media, and next thing you know, you're you and, and arrange to have a conversation versus like that cold call where you're like you, you got to get it in, in one minute and and and, and yeah. you know they're mm-hmm. on the defensive. So it, it it's been really fun. So I think that's one of the good things that's come out of the pandemic is people are connecting with people they probably would not have come across uh, but for what happened last year. Yeah. And it's still going on, to be honest. A hundred percent. Yeah. And we found like, I think because I was on the East Coast for so long and there is sort of a New York bubble, it's been really fun to see how much stuff is happening on the West Coast, especially with these women's advocacy groups and stuff like that, which maybe I would have heard about them eventually. I don't know. I was in such a different world there, but um, it's just been cool. And I'm sure you found the same thing through your podcast, like the discoveries you've made that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise. So, Oh yeah. It's, it's very easy to, like I said, live in a bubble. (laughs) Um, And that's not a bad thing. Um, If you're got goals, cause you're going to be focused on, things that are going to move you towards your goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it, it was like, there was a collective, ah, what do we do now? And it did allow some different perspective to come in. Totally. So yeah. MJ, what's, what's your deal? Who are you? How did you get where you are now? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Start from infancy. Around and nice. joking and laughing. <laughs> Those are good I ways. I wish I could. <laughs> Uh, who am I? <clears throat> I'm the son <laughs> of a, a sharecropper. No, I kid. Um, <laughs> Cran crew no, Burgundy. I'm, just, I'm a kid from New Jersey. My father worked at the post office. You know, my mother stayed at home until I was like in the seventh grade. And then my mother was a home healthy. Like, you know, my parents didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but they were great parents, you know, different generation, baby boomers. You know, um, parents were married for 50 years. You know, until um, my dad passed away. Yeah. Um, that generation, you know, so yep. just a different generation, hardworking, um, discipline. Um, and, you know, I, really, I'm just a kid from the Jersey Shore who grew up, I would say, you know, 80s. You know, I was started high school in 83. So MTV is a big part of my life. If people, fought, if you've seen my feed, a lot of music and it's very varied. It's not, I mean, obviously, I have a, a penchant for 90s hip hop because that's like when I was in New York city going to clubs and everything, yeah. but like 
love all the MTV stuff, love, you know, love all types of music. So you'll see these eclectic wine and music pairings, you know, um, that, that come together, just coming from where I'm from, you know, the Jersey shore, I live 50 miles from New York city, you know, so basically New York suburb, of New York city used to go in the city when you're a kid on the train. So you always have that influence. Um, and just the, the time period, like I said, started MTV music videos, uh, hip hop, started hip hop, you know, mm-hmm. um, that kind of shapes a lot of things I do. Was, I don't know about for you, but behind the music was such an important part of my like teen slash. <laughs> I just, I've, I've watched every single one many times. And I love, I just love that whole genre of like the rock, rockumentary, I suppose you could call it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I mean, music I- videos like, told a story i remember being like you had to see the new music video and you know get a a whole other view on what the song was about and it was so fun yeah it was like the social media that was the thing you had to you know coming up you know people think i think music i love music um because it's it's universal it's you know it really is universal if you can if you can let go of all your judgments i mean it's it's totally universal like like people musicians love all types of music they yeah. just they just do even hip hop guys like i remember seeing this interview one time with run dmc and uh, uh not uh not rev run uh daryl mcdaniel saying how sarah mclaughlin saved his life like he was depressed like and you're like here's a guy who did walk this way and you never think he's listening to sarah mclaughlin you know or he talks about same thing as me. We had our car only had AM radio. So I listened to WABC New York TV. So yeah. I know all like the Carpenters and all that, that all that music. Right. But with the videos, it was like, you're right. Like you had to like it was MTV. Like if you had cable, like you didn't want to not have cable because you like you used to have the world premiere and you're waiting by. Your TV. <laughs> yeah. You had to be there at that time. World premiere video, yeah. Right? yeah. Oh, God, so yeah. Um, that that stuff. Yeah, I totally get it. And you're right. And then. I think the early videos did kind of suck. They didn't really tell the story. They just were throwing them together. But then it's kind of around Thriller. Thriller. Before that, they yeah. started telling <laughs> Thriller stories changed everything. Thriller yeah. was a movie. It was a, exactly. you know, yeah. 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 Don't get me started. But so love. does love. your love of music, perspective on music, impact why you love wine or what you think about wine? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's art. Yeah. yeah. Right? And... When you get, and music is an art form, I love. And then it just, I heard this, I forgot who I heard this from, but it stuck with me. I was on, I was on a Zoom tasting, go figure last year. And um, someone said they didn't like the word balance. It was harmony, right? Like mm. a wine should be harmonious. I love right? that, yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, that's like when the tannin comes together, when all the pieces come together, yeah. it's like a symphony. It's all in harmony, right? What's good music about? Harmony. I mean, but for punk rock, which has its place, right? But, sure. <laughs> yeah, but, but but you know most music is about the harmony and the melody and, and everything coming together, and so when you when you when you think about and and just like what music a good wine stands the test of time a great wine stands the test of time right like great song is a great song totally. great wine could be fifty six years old and you're like wow I can't believe this is still showing uh, you know it's still true to what it was, right? Still true to the form. It's still, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a singularity piece of art. So yeah, I, I definitely see a lot of uh, connection and corollary between music and wine. And I think wine and music both bring you back to that time, you know, there's right. such a like strong memory it's a moment association. In time. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I agree. And you, there's you punk could... rock and wine and that's important too. 
Well, and exactly. And yeah. there's that too, because right, that opens up doors for people, right? Mm-hmm. When you talk about um, people like, well, I can make wine. Now I'm not going to throw my natural, my, my usual natural wine shade <laughs> at this point, <laughs> but you know what I mean? I mean, it, it means it, it just was like, it opened people up to uh, music. And then a lot of, a lot of those people, um, as they matured became real, I mean, real musicians, they stopped making the noise and learned. They're like, well, you know what, if we bring this in, this actually sounds better, you know? Um, Maybe we got a good producer and he smooths it out, right? It's kind of the same yeah. thing. And Like the Go-Go's. Do you see that documentary on the Go-Go's? No. On no. Oh, you need to see that. I will. I love it. Yeah. yeah. But there's a scene where they talk about like they were a hardcore punk and then all of a sudden um, <clears throat> they had someone who's classically trained and they were like, like, this is a pop song, but they're like, but it's still punk rock and there's ways you can. And that's why I like about wine. You can be bold and expressive, but yet restrained and elegant at the same mm-hmm. time. Right. It's like a winemakers have their way of letting their style come through. Just like a, a good musician, they're, they're going to have their, their signature style is going to come through. So, Well, and, you know, natural wine, if you think about the best wines in the world, they're actually almost all natural. It's just the most refined expression of natural. Right. With. Or Jean-Louis Chauve always says, uh, terroir comes from poor soil and a wealthy winemaker. <laughs> you know, because someone, like, you need the the means to extract the best expression of that terroir. It's not that it can't be expressed otherwise, but it it helps. So, but going back to your, your background, so grew up on Jersey Shore. So where was the moment where you got into wine? I know you worked at Acker and... That was really, I mean, that was kind of really it. I mean, I I, I <clears throat> had met John Capon and we used to hang out when he was a music producer, uh, oh, met through cool. mutual friends. So we used to do the club thing. And um, <clears throat> and then when I, I, gra- I graduated from law school and I, I knew I didn't want to be a lawyer. Um, so I was, I had worked for Reebok for about a year because um, I loved, I, I, I was an athlete in high school and for part of college. I ran track and field. So I was a scholarship athlete in in college for a few years before I quit. Um, Just because it was college, there's more fun stuff to do than (laughs) go to practice every day. Yeah. I I unfortunately came to that realization when I was 15. (laughs) But yeah, no, it was was literally, um, you know, I was living in Philadelphia and I wanted to move to New York and John was like, come work at Acker, you know, and you'll learn, you know, drink the finest wines of the world on a nightly basis. I really didn't know what that meant. But, um, you know, I think one of the first bottles that um, I had, it wasn't, and I had a lot of great bottles when I was there that really, really formed a palate, really helped me get a, a palate because the ability to taste, you know, this is the 90s. So there was more of like these rarer wines around back then. You know what I mean? 100%. So that's like, yeah like almost 30 years ago now. So, um, and it hadn't become a super huge thing yet. I mean, if you look at auction prices in 97, 98, 98, when I was working at Acker, 97, you know, they've, even for DRC, I mean, they've tripled or It's beyond, yeah. But it used to be, they were expensive, but you could save up for one, right? Whereas now, forget it. And people, you didn't have to be like, you know, you could be a, an attorney who makes a quarter million dollars a year and buy DRC and, and share it with people. Like now it's like, you gotta be balling. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but the, the bot, I'll tell you one of the first, it was a, it, one of the first, when I really kind of got it was um, one night I, I, I had 
got a bottle of Rabbit Ridge Barrel Cuvée Zinfandel, right? Because like a lot of people, um, I did not realize Zinfandel, you, know, you just knew white Zinfandel. If you're not a wine drinker in, in America, you, you know, you, you don't know that it's it's actually a rosé of Zinfandel. That's what they yeah, should call it. Right. Um, with a little RS left in it. Um, yeah. But um, had the Rabbit Ridge Barrel Cuvée and, ha- and went to dinner and had uh, like this seared duck breast with mm. the Zinfandel. And I was like, oh. And that was like a $8 bottle of wine back then. Still yeah. probably 10 I used bucks. to sell that wine at Skernick. I remember Rabbit Ridge very well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... Uh, and it was just delicious. And I was like, oh, I get it. I get it. I, I get food that. and wine. Yeah. I, was like, I love this. this is, I was like, I like eating. I like drinking. <laughs> <laughs> this works. This is yeah. fun. Yeah. I'll just do this every day. Thanks. So yeah. you were on the floor at Acker. You must work with Cliff. Many yeah. memories of Cliff and Jason, all those guys. And then what brought you to Santa Barbara? I know you were there for a while. And what were you doing there? <clears throat> that was Cliff, actually, because um, I worked with Cliff. And then Cliff um, took a, a sabbatical from Acker and um, he had went to UCSB and this is uh, my friend Cliff Korn. He has a wine, No Limit Wines. He makes a beautiful Syrah out of the Central Coast right now. Um, very limited. Um, but uh, Cliff went to UCSB. Cliff, Cliff went back to Santa Barbara while he was on sabbatical. And- is he, he's from Cali, maybe? I can't. Uh, no, he's from Queens. He is. Okay, cool. Yeah, he's a New York kid. Got it. Yeah, he, he grew up with John. They went to, uh, I think it was collegiate, wherever they went, they went to school. They known each other since, you know, they're little kids. Okay. Um, but Cliff went back to Santa Barbara, and I then I had left Acker. I was working over at uh, the Sparrow Wine and Liquor Company in Hoboken. Totally. <clears throat> and um, I was buying wine from Cliff, stuff that, you know, that wasn't distributed. We were just... I was, he was just shipping cases, you know, it happens. People know it happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially then it could happen a lot more. Yeah. Back then it now. was just yeah. like, nobody I cares. The USA nobody wine cares. Just totally. send me the cases to totally. the store. Yeah. You know, nobody, no, you know, nobody no FedEx cares. guy, yeah. boxes of cases of wine come to wine stores. No problem. Yeah. It's not, it's not going to be like, you know, totally. and so I was just sending me all this stuff that was like, you know, just really killer stuff that just, just doesn't make it to the East coast. I mean, it's like anything. Yeah. Like we, we, we know about all the great domains in France and I know you started, helped start Grand Cru, but like there's so much good wine doesn't even make it out of Burgundy, right? Totally. Like really, really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Not even going to make it out of Burgundy, right? Not going to, the same thing with California. So he invited me to a wine festival in 99, went out to the Central Coast Classic, which is in Avila Beach, which is that whole, and I had never been to California. Oh my 30 God. years old, never been to California Heaven. and you go to Santa Barbara. <laughs> yeah. And you're in the wine business. Yeah. Oof. Forgot it. So I, yeah. so I ended up moving out there three months later Great. because, you know, he had me hooked up with a job and, you know, at the Montecito wine bistro. So, um, <clears throat> so we were working there together and that's, that's how I ended up there. It was, it was again, through Acker, through connections, through people. But once I went out, I mean, I went out there and, and literally I was like, Oh, it's just so nice. You know, it's heaven. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. My parents live in Montecito part of the year and Emily's been out there with me a couple of times and, yeah, we had my bachelorette party there, actually. Yeah, it's hard to leave every time you get on that plane to go home. Yeah. Even when you live in Colorado, it's like, oh, it's heaven there. <laughs> I mean, uh, I just I just want to go back to the shitty kitty. Yeah. <laughs> Did oh, you I love the wildcat. <laughs> wildcat. I, love, yeah. I used to love the shitty kitty. I used to love the wildcat, and uh, there was a spot called Elsie's, which I don't know if Elsie is still, but Elsie's. I'm not sure. 
Oh, Elsie's was, oh, I'm trying to remember what street was Elsie's on. I mean, I wouldn't have been at the Shitty Kitty if I wasn't at a bachelorette party. So no. <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm visiting my parents in Montecito, I'm not like going to the Wildcat. So no, yeah. you're going to like Lucky's and whatnot. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, um, how long have your parents lived there? Because the wine bistro is where Los Arroyos is where the wine bistro was. Okay. Got it. So Because it, 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 it closed around 04, I believe. I, it's been at least 20 years. So yeah, yeah could have. So it was probably, it, it was gone. Yeah, it was gone though. Yeah. It was, 20 years, it was yeah. gone. Um, but yeah, so yeah, you're on, Co you're doing the Coach Village Road thing. <laughs> so you're out there and then how long did you stay there? Um, you know, stayed for a, a full year, came back for a few months um, and then went back uh in uh so 99 2000 went back i was back you know, i went home i came back i was out in the hamptons for a minute um during the fall and winter which the fall in the hamptons is the Ooh. best time because fall's not amazing crowded. winter not so much yeah yeah winter was interesting um <laughs> but i was like a local because you know so what was it, it was uh Murphs when when Murph the cop still owned it so I, I know he sold it a few years ago but like credible dive bar but I just then I was like no you know because I had a little homesickness mm -hmm. I was the only one out there I did have a cousin out there um, but then I you know January two thousand and one I went back and that was it and then so you were in Santa Barbara for how long after that um, I you know. Did 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 a couple stints in L.A. like Santa oh, Monica, cool. but right basically on. I would say I was in I was in, I was in, I was in, I was in Santa Barbara for basically ten years. Okay, um, and you know I spent spent some spent a lot of time in L.A., but always okay. ended up coming back to Santa Barbara. It was just too beautiful. I mean, there was a lot of opportunity in L.A. I had great opportunity in L.A., but I, I just wasn't a point where I, I really had my head wrapped around. Like I loved, I enjoyed wine and food and wine, and eating good meals, but I hadn't wrapped my head around how to make a career in wine at that point. So. Mm -hmm. Um, is that something just, that you have your head wrapped around now? Uh, I would say yes. I mean, I have a, I have a little Venn diagram of wine knowledge, um, uh, humor, communication skills. And like, I, like I've, I think I have found a sweet spot for myself. Um, so yeah, now I, now I could see a path because, um, you know, I, but back then, no, I mean, I got, I'd offered some, I offered a really good job when I was out there. Um, but I didn't know, I didn't know what it meant. Like you got to get, it's only in the wine business, like at that point for two years and like had come out of like, like you start a, start a place like Acker um, as your base. I mean, you could, you obviously it's a launching pad, but like for me, it was almost too good. Like, you know, I, I, I just kept stepping down. Yeah. <laughs> True. It's a great, great place to start. So did you, so what have you been doing up until the podcast started? Oh man. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I had my first real job for the past like eight years. Okay. Um, so I, I have a law degree, which I don't, I have never used to practice law, but I remember, and I knew I probably wasn't going to practice law when I, when I was going to law school, and even and I even I even uh, dropped out and went to the dean and had him hold my spot because I really wasn't feeling it. But um, the, it is, you know, I'm of the age where having a college degree was still useful. I don't know how useful it is nowadays, 
particularly if you have to pay for it, that's yeah. what I would say. If, if you are a parent, if you could pay for your kids to go to college, send them to college. Yeah. If they're going to have student loans, I don't know anymore if that's really the game. Um, but, and I, and I still default on all my student loans, but at the very least it wasn't, it, it was even like when I went to get a job, I go get a job and they'd be like, Oh, he has the lottery. So it's like, he knows how to think, you know, it, it, it presents a certain way in the world. Totally. So I had been working for a uh, nonprofit called pathways of college, um, working with kids in cities like Gary, Indiana, New Haven, Connecticut, Newark, New Jersey. Um, uh, those are the three I worked in, but they've been in like Little Rock, Arkansas, you know, um, so really any city, really um, distressed school systems, underserved school systems. Um, and um, it was an after school program designed to help the kids get ready for college more on a mental level, not so much. We weren't remedial. We didn't do like SAT prep or anything like that, mm -hmm. but just, it's a big shock for a lot of kids who come from a very a homogenous community, whether it be black, Puerto Rico, Latino, didn't have to, you know, and you want to step on a campus and it's very diverse. And, you know, you could be the smartest kid in your school, but because, and I've saw it because your school system is not, there's not as much rigor because there's just not as much competition. So they have to teach to a certain level. They're trying to push things through. So kids aren't, kid might be the valedictorian and then and never got a, 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 a C or a D in their life and they go step on campus and it's yeah. a different level of rigor. And, and so they have to be prepared for that. So that's a lot of things we worked on with them. That's super so cool. I was doing that. I wasn't mm -hmm. doing anything in wine per se, you know, um, but you know, it was just always in me. Like I couldn't go into uh, a wine store and not help someone. Cause you see, you know, and, and this is what people don't get. Most people, most people, you know, there, there's, there's, there's places that sell wine, which are liquor stores and there's very big ones and they can have names, you know, whatever, buy rank, you know, total, total, whatever. But the actual amount of wine knowledgeable people in this industry is, is, is pretty small still. You know what I mean? So you could just, I could always just see someone looking for a bottle of wine. I just, and I just, I just couldn't, I have to help. Yeah. I love, I love it so much. Like, I, like, I just like, like I have to help. You want to turn so, them on to something that's going to like, right, make right, their, right. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah. And so, so I was always doing that. And, um, and then, a couple years ago, I have a I met a guy, a buddy of mine, who's a chef who had his own restaurant in Western Massachusetts, um, you know, near Amherst, that part, Western Mass, mm -hmm. and uh, amazing restaurant. I mean, just if his restaurant was in a major city, it would be one of those where it would be one of the it restaurants. It was very small, could only hold about sixteen people inside. You know, wow. um, it'd be, it'd be one of those like two year waiting lists. You know, but because he where he was. You know, um, he sold his wines like ten dollars over retail. Like he didn't <laughs> he didn't do the regular markup because he wanted to put people on the food and wine. Yeah, he wanted people to have you know. So if he had if he had a bottle that you know would retail for thirty, he would sell it for forty or forty five. He didn't want people to not you know, and he could recommend it, and you know they wouldn't feel ripped off when they went Amazing. down the street. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, so you know, you go there, and a meal would be for two. Like you know, we're talking. The whole, you know, three, four courses, you know, and a bottle of wine, and it's like 150 bucks. And if it was like in Manhattan, I'm like, dude, this is like a $500 dinner. Because right? I live yeah. in Santa Barbara. I've worked in, you know. Yeah. Um, but he was the one who kind of put me on to the wine community on Instagram. Like I, I had a personal profile um, where I talked about fitness, where I talk about uh, mind, body, soul fitness, where I talk about transformation, because you live in California, you're going to take some seminars and you're going to get inspired and you're going to do that <laughs> totally. whole thing. Um, 
but when he put me onto the wine one, I was like, but I, I, it was just interesting because there was this new, it was this world where I was like, where I hadn't been paying attention because I was doing other things and, you know, the rise of the Psalm, you know, the rise of the Psalm had happened. And, and then I see everybody's like, uh, has like with set one and with set two. And I'm like, but I'm looking at their feed and I'm like, but do you really know about wine? So it started out as a goof. I would just take pictures of bottles in my hand, like that I was drinking. I'd leave tasting notes and no pictures of me. Cause I, I was like, I was like, it's absurd. People are liking stuff because it's social media. I'm not really getting a depth from this person. So, so I was like, what would happen if I just took pictures of bottles in my hand? <laughs> so that's kind of how that got started. And then like, it was, I got tired with that after about nine months. I was like, well, I'm not really doing anything with this. So I was like, let me just, so I didn't, I didn't post for like nine months Wow. on that, on that account. And then I went to visit my Was that account Black Wine Guy Experience? Black Wine Guy. Went, got I it. it. I, I wanted to go it. dark for like nine months. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, I still had my, 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 my government name account. Um, <clears throat> and MJ, MJ is my nickname, is my nickname my mother gave me. So my name is Marvin John. So okay. um, when she passed, she passed a couple of years, two years ago. Um, and thank you. But more with the podcast, like, my smile, me being goofy, um, the ability to speak publicly, that all comes from my mother. So, 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 and she would always call me MJ because my father's name was Marvin as well. So I was like, you know what? I like MJ and I'm going to represent for moms here. So that's, that's mm -hmm. where MJ comes from. That's really nice. sweet. Yeah. That's but, super cool. It's cool to hear that. But I didn't, I didn't, you know, so I didn't know what I was doing. So I shut it down. And then, and then I went to visit my in-laws for Thanksgiving. Like, Hey, what happened to black wine guy? <laughs> and I was like, you know, I just, and, and like, so they, convinced me to post so i post like you know the day before thanksgiving like a couple years ago and like people were like where have you been dude Aww. we thought you were dead and i was like oh wow that's kind of cool <laughs> it's <laughs> nice to be missed like the yeah, people nice noticed missed, there you know? um and but th so then i just kept going and i i'd been threatened to have a podcast for years <clears throat> my wife bought me a bunch of podcast equipment like Aww. like but that was like in 2014 or 2015 <laughs> Well, you got there at the right moment when it yeah, was supposed no, to happen. That, I, I right? did. It, that, that, and that's the thing I'll say, like, you know, I think people, because I, I was, it was going to be about success because I've studied a lot of success. Living in California, worked with all those gurus you've seen in The Secret. <clears throat> I have a ton of books around me on success, secret to success and all stuff. Um, but there, there is this thing about timing that we all, like, it's like, and I think about wine, right? Like, you could... You could want the grapes to ripen, but they ripen when they ripen. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Things come to the surface when they're supposed to. Yeah. And if you do it a minute sooner, it's going to be forced <laughs> and then it's not going to work anyway because you're not feeling it. Right. So, I agree. Yeah. Holy. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's awesome. I love yeah. hearing your story. Right. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't nice. sure because I knew Santa Barbara was in there. New Acker was in there. It's nice to hear the whole progression. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever go back to California or are you? Oh, I can't <laughs> wait to go back. To California. <laughs> when you retire. Yeah. You know, I mean, <clears throat> I would love to uh, have, I would love the show to be big enough to get picked up and be a TV show. So then I could be in California. Yeah. Fun. Right on. Well, yeah. we, we will hope for that also for exactly. you. I mean, there's no place <laughs> like it. I mean, I mean, in this country, America is America is the beautiful. It's beautiful, but like, 
Like when you go, you go like you you drive past the fields in Oxnard up up the one on one, and you see the strawberries, and they're the same Driscoll strawberries that are in the supermarket over here on the East Coast, you know, or you know, or you go past Dole in the field of lettuce, and that's the same. Like like that's where like something like seventy percent of the food in America comes from, or more, right? It comes from California. So like you're so close to the source, you know, and then just it's just it's just like in Colorado, people don't get there is a different energy in places and there's just an energy in california that is just uh for 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 what for the type of energy i like it's unparalleled let's put it that way like you know i love new york it's got it's different it's got different energy but like it's felt like I could, when i went to california i thought i was home i just could exhale just could breathe you know yeah i do know yeah you definitely know <laughs> yeah or i i even feel that here i feel very at home like i i loved living in new york for 18 years but um it was never home to me ever. It was a place I lived, but it's like now I'm home, you know? So yeah, I hear you. I feel like the the Colorado energy are the people who were migrating West and then got here and were like, this is good, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, and it's funny. I, living in Santa Barbara, a lot of Santa Barbara people move to Colorado <laughs> or Hawaii. It's a very interesting phenomenon. People either go to Colorado or they get off the continental. Yeah. yeah. There, yeah, there are parallels for sure. I mean, California has the ocean. That's major, major, major. Uh, and, you know, I wanted to move to Santa Barbara and my husband was kind of like, I don't know if I want to raise kids in Southern California. And that also resonated with me. So, um, so yeah, I'm super glad we're here, but I could easily live there too. <laughs> no I, problem. I just get really jealous of the farmer's markets there. Like I know that yes. we have a- And they're all year long. They're all year yeah. long. So you said that you used to um, talk about fitness before. What's your what's your chosen path of fitness, mental and physical? Um, strength train strength training these days, mm -hmm. particularly um, kettlebells. Yeah. Um, so, like, I did. You I ever have a moment? Just backing up quickly. Did you ever have a moment? Where things got excessive. I mean, I know I did. Oh sure. yeah, yeah. That's a good. That's and a good question. then yeah, you so had to kind of be like, "All right, if I'm going to have longevity, I better." Good question. Check yes. It. <clears throat> yeah, 2003. I uh, it just got off the rails, and um, <clears throat> I, I just step. That's when I really like stepped back from wine, trying to sell it. Anything you know, I was working with some wine brokers. I was doing a lot of gigs, wine gigs, you know, I knew people, I was hooking up deals, taking percentages and stuff like that, but it got out of control. And, and so I actually, um, you know, those before and after pictures, right? They're like <laughs> before, after. So like, I was like, I was like, that's it. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta change some, some shit up in my life. And, um, I went to a, uh, martial arts do they were having this 10 week body transformation program um and it was kickboxing and strength training and um yeah so i think no i know for sure not i think 10 weeks i lost uh 20 pounds and like 13 percent body fat so i was like wow kind of doughy oh man oh man <laughs> you're so lucky <laughs> You know, I mean, but it, I mean, even before then, I mean, at one point, I mean, you know, wine and food is dangerous. I mean, yeah. like at one point, okay, I'm 5'10", like one point, like in 
2000 i weighed like 200 pounds yeah like just it's like, like it's get. like a ship going out to sea you don't see it yeah all of a sudden i'm like what the yeah. hell happened yeah. right like maybe you should stop uh you know eating sauterne and foie gras maybe yeah you know maybe you shouldn't stay out all night drinking and then go to jack in the box at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> you know, right? totally maybe you know um so so i dro- i got down to like made some changes and I got down to like 175 or so 170 but then like when when I when I was just like just had it had enough so you know like I stopped drinking and I tell if anybody's serious about losing weight you got to stop drinking because what it does uh alcohol your liver helps burn fat but if it's too busy burning alcohol it's not going to burn fat so it's not going to metabolize the fat so so but like in like in 10 weeks I like yeah, like it is it is now I was 34, 35. Now it is it is easier for men, but like still like I mean like I got back hooked on fitness because like I said I was I'd ran track in high school and a little bit in college and 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 I uh I had seen the Billy Blanks Tybo commercial late night in the ni- <laughs> late 90s and I was like and I always wanted to take martial arts so I started studying martial arts and I became an instructor there. Yeah. And it was like the first time like when I'm from the generation of runners who we just ran. We didn't do lift. We didn't even barely stretch. Exactly. You know? Yeah. We didn't lift weights. There was no train. It was no stretch. It was, it was like, all right. cardio. All cardio. Yeah, it was all, all the time. Just, just running. Right. Yep. yep. Um, so I really li- I liked lifting weights. And I was using, this was resistance bands before they're popular. Now there's 85 pounds of resistance, but like, and it was resistance bands. So I loved lifting weights. So mm. I still love, and, and, and something that sticks with me is my, 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 my sensei. You know, he told me, he's like, you know, just keep throwing kicks and punches. You know, it's worked for me in life. Like, just keep throwing kicks and punches, right? So in between my kettlebell sets, I'm always just shadow boxing. And, and I want to get a bag and everything. But, like, I'm just, like, I fell into kettlebells, like, five, six years ago. And in another life, I was also a productivity trainer during those periods, <laughs> right? So, like... I'm like efficient, right? Kettlebells is really Very the most efficient exercise. You get totally. cardio and strength training. Yep. Super efficient. Yep. Like I, I could do kettlebells. Like I'm, a couple years ago, I did kettlebells. I hadn't run, I hadn't run at all. And I was able to go run like a 23 minute 5k, like just from, from my swings. Cause it gave me enough cardio. Right. So, wow. so I just love, and also just, I think metaphorically strong mind, body, and spirit, like getting stronger and lifting weights has just meant a lot for me. Cause it's something I never did. I was always a skinny kid, you know? So it was just nice to, uh, you know, move weight. So, yeah, it, it really does have such a huge positive impact on your mental state to feel physically strong. You know, I think. Agreed. hundred percent. And like, it just clears my head too. So that's, I mean, it really does give you, mental clarity, but then also you feel better. But I'm with you, like I did all this cardio for so long and like, you know, hour, hour and a half. And like, I was fit, but I was nowhere near how fit I was when I started to do strength training. It just changed everything. And then I didn't have to do all this cardio. I still do some cardio, but it's like, it toned me and it made me stronger and it made me it made my cardio better. So, and I think a lot of women are scared of it because they think they're going to get big. But I mean, unless you're doing like huge amounts of weight, 
it's definitely like revel revelatory. In fact, I it's think. more important for women to do strength training because of osteoporosis. Totally. Yeah, yeah. and it's everyone, especially. But to your point, I used to tell women in my in my class they would like not want to. They would they would come for the kickboxing. It was cardio, but they wouldn't want to do the bands. Yeah. And I said, let me tell you something. As far as I know, with science, you either have muscle or fat on your body. Totally. And the muscle There's burns no more. Mysterious uh, <laughs> body composition called thin. It doesn't exist, <laughs> right. So, so they want to be thin, right? Like, but like you, like so many people are skinny fat, even right. Yeah. Like, and you're and you're right. Like, and and to your point, you're not even going to get big unless you lift heavy. Yeah. And take anabolic steroids if you're a woman. Like you're like. Right. Like that's how you get big or, or you, you know, or, but, but those, I mean, I love, that's not my style of woman, but like if a woman wants to go to CrossFit and get jacked, that's fine. That's totally, I'm happy for her. Yeah. but that takes a lot of work to do naturally for a woman. That's like, that's like years and years, you know, and there's some genetics built into it and like hyper um, acute eating and all that stuff. But if you just go, and you do some bands or some weights, you know, um, you're not going to get big. You're going to be toned. Like everybody wants the, the, the toned arm, but they yeah. don't want to lift weights. It's yeah. not going to get that from cardio. <laughs> you're right. You're totally right. And I think that's what I think I always thought cardio would get me there. And then I realized, I mean, cardio is great and it's important, but it's only <laughs> half the equation. <laughs> I don't know. I think that in Colorado, we get to do a little less cardio because it counts for more. True. Yeah. Well, you're. I mean, at altitude, right? Yeah. I mean, so. I, I mean, there's that too, right? Like you. I think. Yeah. I mean, I like you. I just just haven't run, you know. And I was I was running distance, and I'm more of a sprinter, but I will not be labeled. So I, I was I was going to become a distance runner. <laughs> but you do. You just you just like just like the pounding on your body. Oh, just God, it's just, brutal. Um, it's brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. You know. I know. I'm still trying to get my husband. Uh, get, he just runs and runs. He's like Forrest Gump. He just runs and runs and runs and runs. And then he's like, oh, my knees, my back. And it's just like, yeah. well, I, I don't know what to say. Go do some yoga. I wish I could get into swimming. I've tried. Yeah. yeah. I mean, swimming because I surf like the swimming. I sh it should I should do it in between. And I don't. But it is um, I, like I took triathlon training in college for credit. What? By the way, <laughs> hysterical. <laughs> um, but and I did a lot of swimming then. But even then, when I was, it's just it's kind of boring. Maybe now if you had earbuds in, you know that they Maybe. have. I like, mean, yeah, the pool's tough. I used to have to um, go in the pool lock. I I said I was I was should have been sprinting, but I was running distance, so I would get stress fractures. Like once I would get over like 50, 60 miles a week. Ugh, it's hard to yeah. be a distance runner if you can't run that far. Um, that was miles, um, and. It was okay then because I have like a wet vest or an aqua jogger, but it was more I was just staying in shape. But like when you like to go in the pool, swimming's great; it's very therapeutic. But it it, it can be tedious and boring. And and if know. it's cold out and you have to go get in a pool and like I don't know, just mentally, <laughs> yeah. So that's why I just like it's hard to. I, I want something I could do <clears throat> regularly. I think the main thing is consistency, though. I think that's where people fall down, right? Oh. Like I hate seeing people just walk. You don't yeah. need to go to the high school stadium and run stairs if you haven't worked out in two years or three years, or if you're excessively overweight, because you're going to do maybe five, you're lucky, you're going to be so out of breath, and then you're going to be sore for four days, and then you're going to quit. 
versus if you just went and walked, walk something you could do, go walk. What can you do? Well, you could walk a half a mile, just walk two laps. Yeah. Come back tomorrow, walk two laps, right? Walking then when is that so becomes, good for you. Yeah. It's just like build upon it, right? It's like, like my, like I, like I said, I do kettlebells, but the way I was training kettlebells, you should never lift weights to failure because you're teaching your muscles how to fail. You always want to have something left over. So my workout is probably like 67%. So I'm always refreshed, right? But yet I experience greater gains because I master the weight and then I'm able to do things. And with kettlebells, they're, they don't, they're not standard. Like, you know, we have five and two and a half, like they jump up like 12 to 20 pounds, even though they're in kilograms. So like you have to master a weight, like you might, you might be doing 35 pounds or something. And then the next weight is 47. Wow. And then you still have to do your same amount of reps. So you have to master the form makes you master form and, 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 and be consistent. That's the, that's the main thing I've, like I said, I taught productivity. Productivity is about being consistent. It's finding the activities that you want to have in your life, make them habits and stay consistent at them. Yeah. That's really the secret to success, which people hate because then success is like, it's not, it's not sexy. It's kind of boring. <laughs> it's actually a long road, right? And it's like, yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, you'll, I think you'll appreciate this ha having lived in California, but also, just getting outside is important in the sunshine, in the fresh air, like, like, you know, to your point about walking, it doesn't matter how hardcore the thing you're doing is, mm -hmm. just get outside in the fresh air and the sunshine. And during this whole COVID time, I found it kind of um, sad and a real comment on our health system that, I mean, yes, wear a mask, wash your hands, all those things, super important. They never once talked about eating well. They never once talked about get outside in the sunshine. The sunshine has so many nutrients for you, not the least of which is vitamin D, and how important that is for your health. And, and I think it's just something that hasn't been measured. But um, anyway, that's my little tangent. <laughs> <laughs> but get outside. Get outside. Go on a walk. It doesn't have to be a big thing. That's th the best part about living in the city is all the walking you do just by accident. I mean, you know. I think, I mean, for me, one of the hardest physical parts of the pandemic has been not moving all the time. You know, it's like, yeah. even though I was going for walks and, you know, as soon as it was safe for me to start working out again, I did. But it was like, I was used to moving all day constantly. Well, being in a restaurant, mm -hmm. especially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then it's like, you're like, okay, well, I walked five miles today, but I spent the other, you know, <laughs> 23 hours, like, completely sedentary. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, that's very true. It's yeah. so true. Yeah, and both of you make good points. Like, like with this, that literally, because I, like, I remember one year, um, one winter, I had a goal of just sitting outside every day for 10 minutes. Perfect. Just, just I'm so important, like, to just get some sunlight. Yeah. Get some sunlight. To get to get acclimated, I was like, literally, I would go, I was like, I'd go sit on my front porch, at least for ten minutes. Like that was a goal because I was like, you can't be cooped up in the house. And this was a couple of years ago. Yeah, I just, I just, I just know, like, I'm someone like a lot of people. Like, um, everything doesn't have to be a disease. Like, are you sad? Like, I mean, yeah, but the seasons do affect us because sure. they undulate. Like, we're gonna go as the seasons go, right? So it's a little darker. And then to your point, Emily. Oh my God. So up until, I used to travel like at least twice a month for work. I was always, I was visiting schools. 
Like I, I put on like the COVID 10 just from just being sedentary. Like I'm sure this would like my workout hasn't changed. Yeah. Probably drank a little bit more wine, but more importantly, what really has happened is I'm just, I'm not, you know, I'm not moving the way I used to move, you know, working kids school with kids, you're moving all day or just even traveling, right. Even traveling. I ate different, right. Like, like I would eat twice a day. Now it's easy to eat three times a day. You yes. Know? Um, and it just, it it's, and I'm like, I'm headed out to California. Like when I come back to California, I gotta make some changes. I have to, I have to create some new habits and some new routines just to get back what is gone. And it's not going to come back. Cause I, I don't work for that, that, that company anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not going to come back. So I'm going to have to find other ways to stay active, you know, to make up for it. Maybe I need even, even a standing desk. That's the thing. When you work at a restaurant, just standing, like when you stand for eight hours a day, you're burning calories. Yep. And same with sales. Like I went from being out, seeing customers to sitting and selling at a desk all day and I can't stand it. I mean, this must be something that everyone who's working from home is experiencing. I would guess. Unless you were someone who just was in a desk to start with and then you're just at a desk but, at home. But even which, so, if you go to an office, you're still true. like, good you know, point. going there, you're moving around the building. Yeah. No, standing desk is a good call. I. It's funny, though, like... I have trouble sitting for long periods of time, but then when I stand at a desk, I also find that difficult, whereas I could stand in a tasting appointment for hours and not even think <laughs> twice, you know? So it's it's funny. I don't know what it is. But I, you, again, it's probably just building up stamina for standing at a desk, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think that's my thing. Like the Zooms were killing me mm -hmm. early on um, to have to sit still. Oh, yeah. Like, because I'm... East Coast, you know, we like to move, yep. we talk with our hands, like, <laughs> like, and I can't, you can't do this on a Zoom. I mean, you can, but like, it's crazy, right? I, I like it. I think it's working. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, like, like, and, and especially if it's not something you're interested in, which was, which was waning for me with my job. So it's like, oh my God, like, really? Like, this could be, this could have been 15 minutes and now we're at 90 minutes in, yeah. you know, because you're dealing with, when, when you, I think what happened to a lot of people, these traditional businesses um, do not how to, did not how to come into the digital world. So meetings were longer than they needed to be on Zoom. People are sitting oh, too long. You know, um, it's it's just what I've said. At the end of the day, like, I think you, you you touched on this. We all have to find ways to compensate for what is missing in our lives now, uh, particularly in the area of our physical health. Um, but it's 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 been very interesting. Like I, like I said, like I said, I could if I love something, I could stand there for hours. If 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 I'm not interested or I'm mildly interested or, uh, you know, I'm like it's excruciating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, on that note, is there anything you want to ask us? Like, did we kind of cover everything? Yeah, I mean, I I think just I would like so I'm sure people would like to know. So the fine line podcast like what what prompted you to you two to, to create this well i listen to a lot of podcasts and um i love because i'm not a fast reader emily's a very fast reader and a dedicated reader i feel kind of almost guilty slash i don't really have a lot of time to sit down and read between working kids all the things and i'm not good at sitting still so i love to read when i find something good but it takes me a long time so I listen to things and I've been able to 
download so much info on health, all the things I'm kind of obsessed about, mainly health. And so I was like, I want to kind of somehow share this stuff that I'm learning with other people. And I said, to, and of course, I had downtime because of the pandemic. This would have never happened otherwise. There's no question. So yeah. I said to Emily, let's start a podcast and we can interview like astrologers <laughs> and wine people and da, da. And she's like, well, I think it needs a focus. <laughs> and thank God she said that because, you know, it it would have been a podcast for everyone and a podcast for no one, you know, if it didn't have the focus. So she was like, how about how these people find balance between the hedonistic side of our, our business or even, you know, uh, anyone who loves to live life is going to love food and wine, whether they're in the health industry or whatever. So she really tightened it up. And and it's something that, you know, I think we both personally relate to. Um, I, you know, felt like I had things pretty much in control and felt really healthy. And then I opened a restaurant and was like, this is a nightmare. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> like, whoa. Yeah. Um, you know, it just is. It, I just think that um, we can help prepare people entering this industry better um, for ha for thinking about mental and physical health. And it's such a new era. Like, you know, you were in the business when I was in the late 90s, early 2000s. There was one speed and that was full in. Yeah, it was. Listen, uh, I that, mean, talk about hedonism, like, right? Like, it was no, you know, I don't know if you listened to my interview with uh, Karen uh, Auth Bembry. She uh, worked for Jorge Ordonez and yeah. she has a lot of I, I know her husband really well. Yeah, He's you know, yeah, yeah. And yeah. she was saying, like, I was out till three o'clock in the morning. Every Always. Night because, 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 and she said, if you're not there for the drink with the beverage director, yes. you might not get the order. Yes, that was the thing. And I dated a chef. I used to say I was out eight nights a week. Like, I remember staying home one night and I was like, I stayed home tonight. And he was like, good job, honey. <laughs> like, I, like, that was such a feat, you know. But I always, the funny thing is that even during that time, I always went to Bikram Yoga like four times a week at six o'clock when everyone went to happy hour. I'm like, I'll catch you at eight o'clock. I went to Bikram Yoga, I sweated it out. So I always needed that even with my excess. Like the only way I could, it was like detox to retox basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so I luckily always had that thing, even though it was, there were very excessive years in there, like very. Yeah. So, yeah. And I'm just, I like doing this because I, my dream is just to ask people questions all the time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Well, you know what? You're living the dream. Exactly. The dream. I did. I did once have a coworker tell me that the way I ask questions is really intimidating and it kind of seems like I know the answer and I'm testing people. And I was like, no, why would I ask questions I know the answer to? Right. <laughs> right. I love that. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. And I think for me to to like you like I didn't keep that. Like you like it's so great you kept that Bikram thing in life. I didn't keep it. So like I had to just stop and rediscover it. And I remember when I first got back and she was like, Okay, this is who I am. Right. And also, it's better to go out to the bar in shape than fat. So, yeah. You know. <laughs> it is hard, though. Like the year, you know, I've done a ton of cleanses and stuff like that all along. And with my old business partner, Elise, and we'd always like you'd have that moment at the end of the cleanse where you push through the hard part and you're like, I kind of don't want to go back. So, like, yeah. Yeah. you know, I don't want to have that first drink because then I'm at the 10th drink. But and the, you just feel so good, you know, and. And you almost need to, like, we would have had to leave if we were going to really, like, 
pursue that. Um, and I think that's the other thing that's been nice about the podcast is I wanted to pursue the health part, but I didn't want to leave the wine business. So this has allowed kind of a conjunction of those two things. And it's a great time for everybody to be talking about mental health and physical health. We need that more in our business. I mean, I think the next step is how do we find resources for people who maybe need to a little help, you know, and, you know, we're not that, but um, (laughs) maybe somewhere that can come. Yeah, we can maybe this sparks a conversation. I mean, I agree with you. I think that that's the thing is like, it's such a wonderful business, but it's so easy to go off the rails yeah. and, and, uh, and I, you just see it. I mean, like, I remember you see a picture at this one sales rep um, and he showed us a picture. Like he was huge when he was, and like, he showed us a picture of when he was like a young man, he was like a surfer, like didn't look like the same guy, but that would, you could just see that was like what 25 years of decadent eating and drinking wine had totally. did to him. You know, he's, he, you know, he's breathing, walking from his car to the store to show me wines. And he was like the quintessential California surfer dude when he was younger, you know? Yeah. It's and, sad um, to see that, you know? Right, yeah. right. And I think we are at a place where there's more people cognizant of it, you know, um, of of uh, balancing the scales, right, uh, of their life, you know? So, so you can have it all and you don't have to uh, be out there. Because like you said, you do that cleanse. And like, I remember the first time I did the master cleanse, like day two is just brutal. brutal. By day four, you're like, I'm never eating I'm again. I'm never eating again. Yes. <laughs> like you're like, I don't need to eat. Yes. I feel incredible. <laughs> I've done the master cleanse a ton. And yeah, it's, I, I can't ever do that now. Like now I need Yeah, I to. could never, that's one I would never do again. Me but too. like, that was, but, that was my go-to back yep, in the day. Yeah. And then juice cleanses. And then now yep, I did them all. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we, we're going to have to do something in first because we just, <laughs> totally. we're just now starting to get there but but I, I i love what i love the theme of the podcast i'm grateful that you want to talk to me you've had incredible guests you know um so i i feel i feel like i'm in a very esteemed uh um group of colleagues who who've, who've been on thus far um and it is near to my heart i mean i think the black wine guy really started taking off when i decided to, i'm like i'm gonna do a video i'm, I'm working out i'm gonna do a video about my kettlebells you know or i'm gonna you know um I'm not, I'm not religious, but my mother was, and I read, you know, and so I think the Bible's got lots of good passages and Proverbs. And so I might quote a scripture and talk about how I think it means practically nothing to do with going to heaven or hell. Just like, yeah. you know, um, you know, you, you reap what you sow. So if you're out drinking and eating every night, you know what you're going to reap, right? Like, you know, like yeah. that's just, that's a cause and effect statement, you know, or, or I like Emerson. I might quote. So it was just, I was like, I like transformation, I like fitness. I like wine. And I think it's allowed me, we're in a time where you can talk about things and, and people don't look at you all cross-eyed, you know what I mean? Totally. And, you know, young Psalms now, they work out, they're fit. It's a different right, world. Right, right, right. They're all, they're, all, they're all super fit. I'm like, y'all yeah. couldn't hang, man. No, totally. Well, they grew up at a <laughs> different they, time. Like, <laughs> I, I appreciate seeing it, but I'm like, yeah. shit, when I was 28, yeah. totally. you couldn't hang. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I was up until four the next afternoon. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, this has been super fun. I'm it sorry. has been. And by the way, we feel the same way about what you're doing. And we were thrilled that you were psyched to talk to us. So it, it totally goes both ways. No, so we'll have to so do much. this again for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, great. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Yes, please do rate, review, subscribe. And uh, 
we'll see you soon. <laughs>